Good morning and welcome to our Monday morning chapel. Please join me in the opening responsory as printed on the bulletin. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me to your holy hill. Christ humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Scripture reading for our meditation today is found in the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter, verses 44 through 46. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. 
And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. The general came walking into the building, marching his troops in very fast, and he wanted to go to the far back wall of this large room that he was in. This was about 165 BC. He was a Greek general by the name of Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And he stood there in front of this big wall or curtain and he pulled it apart to look behind it and he didn't see anything behind it exactly what he had heard about other than a a box an ark with some angels carved on it he had heard that this these jewish people didn't really have a stat a statue to their god and he couldn't imagine that he just couldn't imagine a religion that didn't have a statue all of the greek gods had statues somewhere, temples built with statues in them all over. Were these people atheists? He stood there wondering and finally commanded his soldiers to ransack the building. The religion of the Jewish people seemed very strange to other nations around them at the time. They were monotheistic. They believed there was only one God. That was strange enough. But then not to have statues to their God. And their worship life seemed to be so strange, too. But then to be so intrigued by this room and this special chamber that they called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, behind this huge 40-foot curtain that rose in front of him. What a, what a strange sight that must have been to somebody from the Greek culture. What was so important about this big veil this big curtain, what was so important about what lie was laying behind that? Well, that curtain had been erected and designed originally in the, the tabernacle, the great tent that the children of Israel brought on the great exodus, and then later established into the temple the same concept. That curtain or that, that huge barrier had been erected and designed as a monument to the wickedness in us to the evil that's inside of us, the very things that separate us away from God. That was to be depicted by this enormous curtain that they claim was as thick as a man's hand. It took 200 priests to erect it when they first put it up. Listen to the words of Isaiah talking to us. Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. You know, a lot of times, the fact that we don't get to see God and everything, and, and we often wish, well, why doesn't God just come down and show himself to us? We, we kind of put the blame for that on God. But really, Scripture says that's on us. The fact that we've been so separated away from him, the fact that, that, that we don't have that type of access to him by ourselves is because of us. It's because of the sin and wickedness that's inside of man. 
Now, as we just read in our text, when our Lord Jesus, the Son of God, dies on the cross, that temple curtain, of course, is just torn in two and ripped in half. And this becomes one of the, the beautiful symbolic pictures that takes place uh, at our Lord's death to give us some comfort. The high priest was the only one allowed to go behind that curtain once a year on the Day of Atonement. And he was a picture also of Christ himself who would go through that curtain for us and to tear a hole in it between us and God. The high priest often stood and represented the people before God. That's why he had a, a breastplate with the 12 stones of the tribes of Israel on it to show that he was standing in their place representing them before God. And that's a picture that was to be a picture of the coming Christ, the Messiah, who now would stand in front of God in all of his holiness and justice on our behalf and has now torn the curtain down the, the, the barrier, the wall of sin that, that separated us from God, that we've erected in our hearts, Christ has come to remove that and to now create an access to God. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Christ himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us. You know, if you ever read the book of Leviticus and all of the weird things that <clears throat> they had to do with animals and blood sacrifices and the things the priests had to do, some of them are really strange sounding. And the whole sacrificial system just seems so bizarre to us. It's so foreign to us. We kind of sometimes wondered, what does it have to do with our faith? The fact that it, is, that it doesn't resonate very well with us, the fact that it's so foreign to us, demonstrates exactly what our text is talking about. Because Christ has come to pay the one great sacrifice, all of that is unnecessary now. All of those animals, probably millions of animals through the years, who gave their lives and the blood was poured out in those sacrifices, none of that has to be done anymore. Because the one true great mediator, the one great sacrifice, has now come to make peace between us and God. And so the New Testament church deals with the accomplished fact of the atonement. Not the future coming atonement, the way the Old Testament did, pictured in all of those animals, but we now see in Christ the one great sacrifice that had to be made for us. At the end of the Civil War here in the United States, in April of 1865, on Palm Sunday, which we'll be celebrating coming up this next Sunday, on Palm Sunday, 1865, the two great generals from the North and the South met in Appomattox to sign an armistice, an agreement of peace. And even though it was signed that afternoon, it took a while for the word to get out. It took a while for others to find out about it. In fact, a week later, a Confederate general was killed in a battle. It took a while for that peace, the, the message of that peace, to get out to people. Sometimes that happens to us in our lives, even as Christians. God, through Christ, has already established peace between sinful, wicked people like you and me and himself. He did that through the death of his son. But sometimes we still live in fear. Sometimes we still live as if there's a war going on between us and God. Sometimes in our minds and in our hearts, we still envision something that's just not right between us and God that's going to 
going to potentially cause him to, to hate us and throw us aside. And it's the desire of the devil to take out his sewing kit and to sew the curtain back together in your mind and in your heart, in your conscience, so that we feel as though there's, there's still something that has to be done to make peace between me and God. The barrier must still be there. There must still be some wall of hostility between myself and God. In, in your conscience, more than likely, as I know as in mine, there's often one particular little sin or something that's happened, or maybe it's happened frequently, that just makes us scared about Judgment Day. What if that's the one thing that keeps me from actually getting to enter heaven someday? The devil just loves to sew the curtain back up. He just loves to act as though there's no hole, there's no access between you and God anymore. As if what Christ did on the cross somehow wasn't quite enough for you and for what you've done in your life. And so he tries to convince us that there's still a burden on us. There's still something we have to do to try to create that hole once again. But today, whatever that sin is in your mind right now, whatever the thing is in your heart and conscience that makes you the most kind of troubled about Judgment Day, just listen to these words. The temple curtain was torn in two. The barrier has been removed. Just look at the means of grace that God gives us. It's all about peace, baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, the preaching of his word for the forgiveness of your sins, the office of the keys for the forgiveness of your sins, the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of your sins. From God's side, there's a hole in the curtain, and he just wants you to know that. He wants you to live in that peace. He wants you to just realize that you're forgiven. Amen. Please rise. We join our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that by the work of your Son you have established peace between ourselves and you. We thank you for the gift of faith in our hearts that causes us to cling to Christ, and yet so often we still tremble in fear before you. We pray that you would comfort us today and always with your wonderful grace to know that we are your forgiven children, holy saints bound for heaven. We pray this all in our Lord's saving name. Amen.
now the triune God of your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen.